Thanks for joining us for another episode of What's on Your Plate podcast. I'm super excited today to have Catherine Talley on. She is newly published author of a book releasing, probably will be released by the time this podcast is blowing into your ears. Charlotte the Shark Won't Go to Sleep. That is probably the most adorable title I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. I am just thrilled that you agreed to be on here with me today. Um, first and foremost, you know, I'm an avid reader. And yes. anytime anybody I know, like publishes a book, I'm like, oh my God, that's it. That like totally <laughs> the cool factor. Have to talk to him more about it. So Yay. here we are. <laughs> I feel the same way. I'm like, if anyone I know ever publishes a book, I'll I'll be the first to buy it. So yeah, absolutely. I'm all for supporting authors. Um, tell me about how this even became a thing. Where did this manifest from? And how did it become an idea to write a ch children's book? Absolutely. So you have actually made cakes for my daughter. So you know her name is Charlotte. So you can probably tell that this is based on a true story. Um, <laughs> the first several years of Charlotte's life, she did not want to sleep. Like we, I, I cannot tell you everything that we tried um, probably until she was like four years old. She's now six and a half. So we finally found something that works, whatever was not right before is right now. So she sleeps. But um, I never had the luxury of being one of those parents who's like, yeah, my kid just puts themselves to sleep. You know, I'm like, I, I don't know what that's like. My kid just didn't do that. So um, and her, she got the nickname Shark when she was a baby. I can't even exactly remember what I was thinking when I called her that, but it kind of stuck. So um, she's always kind of been like my Charlotte Shark. So when I was really frustrated one night. I'm like, gosh, like this kid just won't go to sleep, you know? And I'm like, I'm not the only one. There's other parents like this. So I sat down. It was the next like afternoon after a horrible night, you know, of her not going to sleep. And I sat down and for some reason, I'm really good at rhymes. I cannot tell you why I it's, it's my party trick. You tell me to write a limerick about something. I can write it in like five minutes. It's, it's my goal. So, uh, so I kind of like challenged myself to do that. And the, so I wrote the first, the first draft, mind you, it's a rough, rough draft in like maybe 40 minutes. And then I was like, this is actually kind of cute. And so then, you know, the next steps were looking into it, kind of getting serious about it, but that was probably a little over a year ago now. So it's kind of a process. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. And absolutely can relate to the whole kid not wanting to sleep thing. Um, mm -hmm. It was like the one thing I prayed for when I was expecting my son, like, please, please give me a sleeper. And, right. You know, <laughs> wah, wah. So that didn't quite happen. Um, and we worked with like a sleep therapist and like did all oh the things. Gosh. And, you know, yeah. I don't know. He just, I, I don't know. I mean, he just hates sleep, but he, he's yeah. a little bit better now, but we're still a work in progress. So I'm excited to read this book to him and, yes. um, you know, just be able to share it. I can't wait for it to come out out. I pre-ordered it, of course, and I'm excited oh, to receive you. it. It sounds like next week. Um, tell me a little bit more about 
I think the the idea of being an author has been something that's been in your mind for a long time since you were a little girl, right? Yeah, so I believe it was third grade, which also happens to be my favorite year of school, like growing up, my favorite all-time teacher. So something must have clicked for me in third grade. I just, you know, um, I really started writing. And um, funny thing is that I think I shared a little bit about it um, before, but I had this yellow, like those yellow legal pads that tear from the top, okay? So... I'm left-handed. My mom thought, oh, you know, spiral notebooks will bother your hand because you're left-handed. I'm going to get you this notebook. It's different from the whole class, right? Like I'm in third grade. I kind of don't really want to stand out, but here I am with this bright yellow pad of paper and everybody else has a normal spiral notebook. But that's what I wrote on like for the longest time, you know, until I was like, no, spiral notebooks are fine. Like we adjust, you know, but uh, so I still have my first story that I wrote that what it was called the case of the missing warheads mind you i'm talking about the sour candy not like nuclear warheads um but that was my first story that i ever wrote and i still have it um i was going through a box of stuff in our attic and uh it's still in there and i i mean i i illustrated it too but i i must say i did not illustrate charlotte the shark won't go to sleep i cannot i can barely draw stick figures so (laughs) But the words flow brilliantly from you, which that is a craft in and of itself. So, um, (laughs) you know, who could expect you to do both? That was a really like um, awesome observation of your mom's to like realize that that spiral notebook would be hard for a lefty. Yes. You know, she, I mean, she, she honestly was so thoughtful in so many ways, but um I like looking back, it's just ironic because as a kid, even in, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, you kind of want to not so much stand out and be different. You're kind of worried to do that. And then the irony of it is just, you know, he or she was giving me something that would help me, but I was like, no, no, I'll I'll be uncomfortable. You know, I don't, I don't want to stand out like that. But like, I mean, the fact that I still have a story on that paper is just so special because that was one of the first, like, notebooks she ever bought me so that's so heartwarming I love to hear that and you know yeah absolutely if, if we only knew you know then what we know now and right to stand out is actually something you want to do in life versus blend exactly. in with everybody yeah you know those those uh growth mindsets that we all have are, are ever changing Very you true. know Recently, when I first learned about your book and you laughed at something I suggested that, you know, I want to get you on here and talk to you on my lesser known platform, what's on your plate before you become like a New York Times bestseller. (laughs) And there you go again, laughing at, I think, a very like legit possibility, valid suggestion because if not you, then who, you know, why not? Why, why can't you dream big for something that you've poured your heart into? It is true when you put it that way. I think, uh, I, I can't tell you why. I mean, obviously that's the dream. I think um, anybody in like really entertainment industry or, you know, music or um, just writing, acting, anything like that, 
I think everybody wants to be famous and we all want it really quick, right? Like I, I, I would love to look on Amazon and see, oh, I'm number one in children's verse or something like that. Um, but when, when you look at the numbers, it, it becomes a little discouraging, you know? I mean, when you look at how many books are sold on Amazon or, but um, I was really shocked at when I first shared about publishing the book um, I think 57 or 58 people shared my post. I'm like, gosh, if each person who shared it bought a copy, that's like, you know, I'm, I'm halfway to a hundred copies. And like my book could sell five copies, but I still would have gotten my voice across. You know, I still would have published a book. I still would have set out what I wanted to do. Anything that kind of comes after that is just an added bonus, I think. Um, and I, my, my editor actually made a great point. He said, you you've published this book and it's it's here now you have the whole rest of your life to work towards making it a success or to do whatever you want with it like i i, I don't there's no deadline you know what i mean there's no deadline on whether i'm successful or not so that was yeah, nice that, is, that is a great point and it just also reminds us that things are a process most people don't land into any type of fame instantaneously or, or knowing instantaneously. So keeping it after the release date and, you know, promoting it and sharing it with the world is an ongoing thing, right? I'm sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I got some time now. <laughs> <laughs> so with the process, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, how long did it take you to create this vision and to put it on paper. I mean, I'm sure the behind the scenes parts of it, the things that were out of your control were dragging along painfully slow for you once mm -hmm. you were done with it. But what about yeah. your part in it? So um, anyone who's not familiar with the publishing process, there's there's a few different ways you can go. Um, you know, all the, the we all know the, uh, you know, like Penguin Publishing or HarperCollins or the, the big, um, the big companies, you know, Stephen King publishes with a, a major company, you know, um, they, they will pay for everything up front. Um, you don't have to foot the bill on anything, but do you get to keep all the rights and the royalties? Like there's pros and cons to different ways to publish. So I first had to kind of look into that. Um, and obviously if you can't afford to do it any other way, you got to kind of get someone to sign you. You have to submit your story to so many different people, to literary agents, try to get them to back you because then your chances just greatly increase. Um, that's really hard to do. I did that for probably, I want to say 10 months or so. Um, I got great feedback. I, I mean, everyone was super nice, but it, sometimes it takes six months just for them to tell you no. You know, they, I mean, they get lots and lots of children's book, especially submissions. Um, then they're self-publishing. I got to tell you, I don't know enough to uh, find my own illustrator, to find my own editor. So there's this thing in between called hybrid publishing, and it kind of combines the best of both worlds, um, traditional and self-publishing. So according to my um, Google algorithms, it must have known that I was looking into these things because it was so serendipitous the way I found the company I went with. It was an Instagram ad. And I, I really just, I got to be honest, I liked their logo. I thought it was cool. And I was like, you know, this, this company sounds cool. Let me just click on their website and see. 
they ended up being so much more affordable than any other company I'd seen. So um, really easy to submit on there. I did it. I got a response almost instantly. I think it was like three hours and it was late at night too. And my editor said, I, I got to tell you, I don't usually, um, you know, respond this late, but I loved your story. And it was kind of like actually really quick from there. I know he was working with several other authors at the same time, but he really made me feel like I was the only one. And I knew I was in the right spot at that point. So. Well, that's cool. Thanks for sharing that journey. Um, I think a lot of us don't know what goes on behind the scenes. We just know that there's a book coming out that we want and we somehow acquire it, purchase it or borrow it right. or something. And we don't think about how it actually gets there. Kind of like the same with anything else, you know, how it gets on your right. plate or how it gets on the screen or anything. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of work that is involved with it. I'm sure. Tell me about how your love of reading was manifested. Who inspired you to love books? Yeah, so it's actually on my dedication page in um, Charlotte the Shark Won't Go to Sleep. Uh, the first person on there you'll see is uh, to my mom who sparked my love of reading and writing. So it's absolutely without a doubt um, I owe it all to my mom in, uh, in elementary school you know, we had the book it program to earn your uh, free pizza. And uh, we had reading goals, everybody else's reading goal would be in the hundreds. At one point, I remember my goal being like 2500 pages. Um, you know, I mean, that's just because that that's what I did. Like, that was what I did in my spare time. But not the only thing I think uh, it's important that she always told me she wanted her kids to be well rounded. So that reading was important to us, but that wasn't the only thing we did. We played sports, we played an instrument. She wanted us to find what we enjoyed and what we were good at. And I think uh, me and my brothers all read, but I, I would have to say, I probably still read the most out of all of us. So <laughs> definitely her though, definitely. Yeah, that's cool that your mom played such a part in your your love of reading and in books. and. I could relate to that. Absolutely. My mom was a avid reader and that was what she did with every ounce of spare time that she had and encouraged us mm -hmm. to do the same. Um, and I, for both my sister and I, uh, it has stuck for sure. Yeah. And I knew when I was expecting my son that I had to create a reader like that was one of my biggest priorities and a sleeper that one didn't yeah. happen. Maybe I should have focused more on that a little bit. You got 50%, 50%. I mean, I can't, I can't do everything. Right. So <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, but the reading part has stuck and so far he embraces it. And I'm just so thankful for his love and enjoyment of books. Yeah. I'm kind of going through that with my Charlotte right now. She, um, she told me reading was boring a while ago. And I, I was like, oh, that, that actually physically hurts my heart. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I mean, she's, she's six and a half. She's just kind of, she's, she's pretty much learned, you know, there's still words she, she struggles with, but um, I'm like, she'll get there. I, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't given up all hope. She's, she's just not quite grasped it yet. So I, I can't, uh, I can't, you know, blame her yet. <laughs> No, and I think it ebbs and flows, you know, I mean, I know that Logan has gone in spurts 
where he wants to read himself versus having me mm -hmm. read to him, read to him. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, you know, helping instill the value of reading something every day and even the way mm -hmm. that how much farther and deeper you can go in life based on your ability to read. Um, yeah. I think, as, you know, I talk to my son about that quite a bit and I often um, find myself looking for ways how I can support other readers. How can I uh, do things that support uh, literacy programs and just helping people obtain books. And I think that's another thing to talk about because it's not just about, you know, a love of books between you or I or our kids, but it's helping the world not only love them too, but also have them be accessible and have right. them physically be able to read. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, we actually, I just took her to a book sale at a library. And unfortunately, I haven't spent enough time in library, like libraries in the recent years. Um, the Probably right around the time I would have taken, started to take Charlotte to the library was when COVID hit. And then, you know, we just never kind of picked it up. So um, getting to take her to, it, I mean, it was a book sale, so it wasn't quite the full library experience, but it was, mm. it was nice that she could go into this room. You know, I mean, she knows what a library looks like. She got to pick all these books um, and they were books that nobody like, like that somebody else didn't want. So were they donated, you know, and that mm. now they're going to have a new life in the hands of some other little kid who these are new books to her, you know, I mean, mm. she doesn't care that, that they were either discharged from the library or who had them before her. So so that was exciting just to see them. I actually, both my kids just run around and get excited about books. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And the library is just such a magical place for so many reasons. And one of them is those book sales because they sell those books for like a fraction of the cost that yeah. you would buy them. Um, and then that money goes back into the library. Absolutely. So yeah. Keep that going. Um, I'm sure that many libraries have a lot of amazing programs for kids, but one of the most favorite one of ours is um, here in Crown Point, the library on the first Saturdays of every month has what you call Greyhound Saturdays. So people okay. that are owners of Greyhound dogs, oh, wow. are the, the most gentle, like sweet dogs, yeah. um, approachable dogs ever, like they bring mm -hmm. them to the children's section of the library oh, and the wow. kids get to sit and read to them. So that it's a so confidence fun. building practice um, and gets the kids excited about opening a book and reading out loud and practicing their right. words. So, you know, finding ways like that to help kids and even just adults, people, right, embrace yeah. uh, reading and practice reading and feel good about reading is something close to my heart for sure, because I struggled to read as a kid. And now, like, I just... I'm so thankful to be able to have the ability to do so. Yeah. You know, that's funny you said that because I actually did too. Um, yeah. I I had a really hard time learning to read. And it's it's just ironic you said that because look at us now, you know. I yeah. mean, you wouldn't know that. I, I tell people that and they're like, really? Like you? I said, yeah, my mom had to, she, she searched high and low for books to teach me 
how to read through her, you know, I mean, she, she took so much extra time with me at home. And I mean, I, I do think one day it just clicks, um, for, for a lot of kids, but, um, and now that I've taught my own daughter to read since she's homeschooled, um, I kind of know, I kind of know the pressure that comes, you know, you, it's like, it's such a relief once they can read, but but every kid will do it, you know, on their own time. Every every kid will learn and they'll get there. But um, yeah, I, I I definitely felt that way when I was younger too. So to come from, you know, that background of struggling, struggling with reading in school, you know, um, I mean, I was lucky enough that my mom was a stay-at-home mom, so she could help me after school. But um, yeah, I, I definitely know what you mean by that too. Yeah. I was definitely in tutoring programs um, for the help that I needed for reading. And I think everybody, at, I, well, I don't even know that I would say everybody. I don't know that I have enough knowledge to say that um, we'll eventually read, but I just often concern myself with people that aren't supported as young people to right. pursue the help they need for reading um, and that's why I feel like literacy programs are so important mm-hmm. to in some way support, contribute to, help with whatever the case may be. Absolutely. How do you, um, with your littlest, empower reading and, and share the joy of words with her? Yeah, um, obviously we're big fans of picture books. Um, so How old is she? She just turned three in February. That's right. So, um, so I'm not quite like, you know, sitting down doing any homeschool, like officially with her, but she does, um, ever since she was like one, she would pick up, uh, Charlotte's books and pretend she was reading. So I'm like, okay, maybe this is going to be my bookworm, you know, (laughs) like maybe this will be the one, maybe she'll like, she'll like reading just a little bit more. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, picture books, absolutely. I mean, just like. That, that's why I, I think the illustrations were so important for my book um, because when they are that little, that's that's what they can look at. They can still tell a picture in their minds with with the uh, just by looking at the illustrations, even if they can't read. So that that's kind of where where she's at. Um, she does memorize some things uh, in her favorite books, and she'll turn the pictures and everything. But um, that that was one of my big things I had in my mind what I wanted my book to look like so that kids who maybe can't read you know maybe they can't read the words but they'll still see the the pictures and on the back I actually wrote the description on the back of my book I said vivid illustrations and that's exactly what I wanted the book to have specifically for you know those who can't quite read like read the words or understand all the words yet so they can still follow along with the story so that's kind of where she's at right now yeah yeah that's amazing um the illustrations are so important for young kids too so I love that you know your book has such bright beautiful artwork in it um (laughs) I know my son gravitated and still does gravitate towards um books with pictures were only recently getting into chapter books that might only have like a couple pictures. A couple, it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm reading, um, reading the lion, the witch and the wardrobe to Charlotte oh. out loud. 
Yes, so classic book, and it does have a few pictures, but she does, she, she, I like, she keeps asking me, you know, um, okay, it, where's a picture? And I'm like, well, it doesn't have one. You know, there's not a picture on every page. They're like nice little sketches, but mm-hmm. she is kind of still looking for pictures sometimes, but she, she's getting to the point where like, she, she's really into the story. And some people and some, some kids, they don't really like to be read to. Um, I know my best friend, She's like, don't read out loud to me. I can't like just hand me the paper. Let me read it myself. Like she just she just has never liked to be read out loud to. And I'm like, OK, but like I like to read out loud to people. I, I like to read in class, you know, when we uh, when you'd get called on to read. I was like, because it didn't bother me. I liked reading. So I was like, I'll read the whole paragraph. Sure. But some people do not like listening out loud to stories. But I'm I'm lucky that Charlotte seems to be picking up the story too. She's not, she's actually listening. She's not just uh, hearing words come out of my mouth. So that's a good sign, I think. Yeah. I'm sure as a homeschooling mom, which side note is amazing, by the way. Oh, um, thank you. And I have <laughs> talked about that. That's a whole nother level of pressure to, to um, teach your kids to read at the level that is similar or excels what is happening in the institutionalized yes. school. It is, um, it is. But Anyways, um, now I lost my train of thought. (laughs) I think I was just going to comment on how, you know, chapter books are a whole, whole other level for kids, a whole nother Mm -hmm. thing for them to embrace and enjoy and to really be able to have them sit down, open a book on their own and explore that is just so magical. I remember a friend of mine talking about, um, her daughter was, um, I don't know, maybe a little older than my son is right now. Maybe she was like 10 or something. Mm -hmm. And she really struggled to read. And they came to find out that it wasn't that she wasn't understanding the words or or the ability to actually, is that she had like some type of, um, rare like eye deficiency or something oh wow like she had that like they find like the eye doctor eventually found it she had like glasses even before they found it but there was something Mm -hmm. that wasn't being addressed um and as soon as it was like she could see in such an improved way that all of a sudden she became like this amazing reader that's amazing Oh my it's gosh, like some, how fascinating. I know. Well, it's like sometimes you don't know what is actually hindering people's ability to enjoy books. Right, right. Yeah, great point. Great point. Um, and I think that that's true about older people too. Um, mm-hmm. Or any other person that struggles with like a vision impairment mm-hmm. that if you're not able to see the words well or if they're blurred or if it's giving you a headache because you're straining your eyes to see. Right, then you're well, not going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course yeah. not. Um, my grandmother, she had macular degeneration and she had it pretty advanced by the time she passed away. And she was an avid reader her whole life. It was like one of the worst things that could have happened to her. Oh gosh. That she couldn't read well anymore. She had other challenges as well with her health. Um, but she ultimately enjoyed audiobooks at, at a certain point. What are your thoughts yeah. on audiobooks? So, um, I I don't really listen to audiobooks to be honest. I think it's just because the only time I would ever get to would be in the car and 
95% of my car trips are with children. <laughs> so, yeah. so I really wouldn't be able to pay attention. Um, I got a great book light. So that's how I get most of my reading done. Uh, it's dimmable. So even if, uh, you know, I have kids sleeping near me or anything, I, I can, uh, I can stay awake and read. So it's, it is kind of a sacrifice whether I want to get more sleep or get more reading done. So it, it's a toss up. I, uh, the, the sleep has been winning lately, but the last couple months reading was. So it, it's a balance trying to find yeah. time to read with kids. <laughs> oh my gosh, I hear that so loud. Um, <laughs> I get it. What about the, the kids? Do they listen to audiobooks? We have a couple. Um, I Well, I actually got, I downloaded some on my Google books. Um, and even if it was just like the cat in the hat, but it, it's somebody really fun reading it, right? So it makes it that much better. So um, we have a few Dr. Seuss books. The the book, um, there's a book, Dragons Love Tacos, and the author's actually reading it. And he is really funny. So, so yeah, they do. Um, that's actually one of the techniques I used to try to get Charlotte to sleep <laughs> um, in the in the last several years. That was one of our, our last things that I tried and it, it actually seemed to work. So, uh, you know, I would, I would, it would be like 11 o'clock at night and my husband would get the little text message. Oh, your wife just spent $5.99 on a pack of <laughs> Rock your Seuss books, you know, like the second I buy them, I'm like, of course he knows. <laughs> so, but I'm like, Hey, it's getting her to sleep. You know, I mean, whatever it takes, we read how many to her, but then it's, you know, she doesn't have to look at the picture. She can lay down, she can have it next to her and just listen. So I think that made a bit of a difference in getting her to sleep. Yeah. Well, that's cool that that was something that helped. Um, you, you mentioned your, your friend and your husband and, you know, people in your life that are with you or in it every day. Do you feel mm -hmm. like that support has been critical for you to accomplish this project? Yeah. Like I said earlier, when I got, I, I mean, I didn't even know 58 people liked me that much. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> It's like fit for 58 people to share. And some of the people, you know, I mean, they might have been people from high school or and they might not even have kids. But for them to take the time to hit the share button and just, you know, spread the word on my book, I was like, wow, this is really cool. And, you know, um, just having my husband share it with his network um, of people, you know, I mean, all his work people saw it. I think he shared it. He, he knows people from work on the East Coast and he's like, yeah, I'll share it in there. So I'm like the j just by him doing that. But even it just like I was fascinated, the strangers that shared it. I mean, not strangers, but, you know, strange like Facebook friends, which takes on right. a whole other meaning, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the people that shared it from there were just I, I, I was shocked. I felt so loved and encouraged. So I think that was really important to the whole process. Oh, I love to hear that. I love to hear you say that you just felt, you know, so loved and encouraged by that because it is important for us to feel like our projects are meaningful, you know, mm -hmm. like they're, they matter and they resonate and to have that affirmation of that 50 some people and to us that, you know, feels like it, maybe it feels small, maybe it feels big, but I mean, at the end of the day, I, and I remind myself of this often um, based on the things that I do, like even an audience of one is still an audience, mm -hmm. right? right? And even that one person that may 
listen or read something or, or whatever the case may be can have a ripple effect and they might tell one other person or they might change their way of thinking or share the book with somebody else, right? Because Absolutely. of just the way that they've enjoyed it. And I always just try to remind myself of that, but I don't know, Catherine, I feel like your book is bound for greatness. I really oh, do. Thank you. <laughs> thank um, you. In part because like it's personal, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. it isn't just something that you sat down and said, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, write a children's book and, you know, we'll see where this takes us. And uh, right. I mean, it was manifested from your own experiences with your daughter. I mean, how much more heartfelt and real can you get? So, right. um, yeah, you know, not much. I, uh, like I said, when I wrote the back cover, um, it, it says something about how, uh, basically how parents and children will enjoy it. And when I, you know, I, I told you, I tried to pitch it for about a year um, to, to get a literary agent or to, to publish the traditional way what before, you know, I had the money to saved to do this. And uh, that was one of my main things. I wanted them to know this is a book that parents are going to enjoy reading to their kids too, because they're going to nod and laugh along and say, yeah, this was me. Or if it wasn't you, you know, somebody whose kid won't sleep. Right. So, so the parents will nod along and the kids will just be interested in the cute little shark that won't go to sleep or who wants one more story or, you know, so it was, it was really built around also like, being a family, a family time at bedtime for, um, for the kids and the parents, because not every kid's book is as enjoyable for us. You know, they want to read, maybe they want to read the same one over and over again. And I have to say when I was shipped my initial copy for two weeks straight, that's all Charlotte wanted to read. So, so I have, I've memorized it as I probably should, but, um, but yeah, I mean, they, they pick out their favorite books and they're not all as enjoyable, uh, you know, as, right. as maybe your favorite one is, but, um, but yeah, I was, I was excited to have a book for everybody. It really is for parents and kids. Yeah. That's just so beautiful to hear. And I can <laughs> certainly relate to the uh, books that don't aren't <laughs> enjoyable for you. I mean, I have a boy, so he, he has at least yeah. like four <laughs> like farting books. Oh my God. Some kind. And I'm like, really this one? Like again, yeah. really? Um, yeah. <laughs> so I definitely get that. But I think that rings true also, like taking your kids to a movie theater to watch something that like you would not, you would never go see yourself. Yeah. But to like yeah. be pleasantly surprised that maybe there's pun in there for adults too, or exactly a throwback comedy from the era of your own childhood. I bet yes. really makes it enjoyable. On some yeah, level. and <laughs> funny you say that too, because when I when I was you know writing, you know you have to submit a formal uh, query. They're called, and I, I was writing. I said it's like taking your kid, you know, it's like seeing a movie or, and hearing a joke that's specifically for adults, you know, I mean, like, it, that's exactly what I likened it to, that um, there's, there's going to be things, I mean, the, the kids are looking at it from a whole different perspective than, than the adults, you know, the kid just sees this little shark having fun, doesn't want to go to sleep, relates to that, and the parents just, are, are, I mean, you got to laugh, right? Otherwise, mm -hmm. we would probably cry uh, most nights when our kids won't go to sleep. But, 
but yeah, it's exactly like that. Just finding that little uh, inside joke or something. It, it the whole thing is kind of like that. Yeah, that's great. I can't wait to read it. Um, I want to know too how you dealt with the constant rejection of the publishing companies. I mean, many of us would have just been like, forget it. I'm not an author. I don't know why I tried to do this. What was I yeah. even thinking? Like I can see like myself getting in that yep. know, negative mindset, negative space. How did you push past that? Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I think it's so important to address, address failure, like in anything really. Um, I, always remember it comes back to my mom I remember a story uh she had a book of short stories and they were all true stories it was kind of like a chicken soup for the soul kind of book um but not quite that one and um it told the story of this author and he got rejected so many times it was probably 30 different times it's and so this is like a two-page story you're reading right and you're just, you just feel so bad for this guy. He's, he's been rejected 30 times. And at the end of the story, they say, oh, and by the way, his name's Theodore Geisel and you know him as Dr. Seuss. So oh. Dr. Seuss <laughs> was rejected over 30 times by 30 different publishers, but he kept going. And I kind of always look at it that way. Like, I mean, if think of a world without Dr. Seuss. Like, I mean, I can't, I, I happen to love Dr. Seuss. And I, I, the world would be so much different without him. So I, it kind of comes back to that in my mind. It's like, um, this is great, but I'm, and it comes also down to the other options I had. So I, I could go on to publish this myself. Maybe I, maybe I go on without a literary agent right now or without a traditional contract, see how I do. I can still fulfill my goals. I just have to do it a different way. And it doesn't mean I can't go back to that way later either. So that's kind of that. But that story, I mean, I must have read that when I was maybe in sixth grade, but it's resonated with me like my whole life. Mm -hmm. My favorite Dr. Seuss quote, and I feel like um, it, it pertains a little bit to our conversation today. Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to change or get better. It's not. Yeah. I had that on the wall in my son's room. My son's um, nursery was Dr. Seuss. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I had that on the wall and um, amongst other things. And that's just mm -hmm. something that's always been so close to my heart. That quote, what, what is one of your favorite Dr. Seuss quotes? That well, it's ironic because that is my favorite Dr. Seuss. Ah. <laughs> I cannot read the end of that book without crying. Charlotte makes right. fun of me. So uh, yeah, I mean that's that's um that's my favorite Dr. Seuss book. So and I always I'm not a tattoo person myself. I like to admire other people's, but I don't have any. But I always said if I got a tattoo, it would be the word unless, oh, and, like yeah. how it is at the end. I mean, I just that quote is so strong, you know, for so many different reasons. Um, and there's another, another book. It's, it's not a really popular one of his, but, um, it's called, I had trouble in getting to Sala Salu. And basically okay. the main character wants to go to a place, um, to Sala Salu where nobody ever has trouble, you know, everything's perfect. And cause he's having such a bad time, but he, he like, he figures out that you're going to have trouble no matter where you go. And just by going to this place, you know, you're, you're still going to have trouble of some sort. 
So you might as well just live your life and try to do your best. Like, so that's, that's another one of my favorite ones, I think. Yeah, that's, that's great too. It's like that, you know, time old thing that, you know, we say over and over again of somebody somewhere is going to judge you no matter what you do. So just live your life. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Tell me about how you, um, you know, now that the book's going to be out and people are going to be actually able to get it off a shelf or, you know, have it delivered to their door pretty um, quickly, how are we going to see you out promoting it? What are you going to be doing to share it and try to broaden your outreach? Yeah, great question. Um, so the the my publishing company goes through a third party company to actually print the books. And um, they that company gets you into several uh, online real like retailers. But as for the whole marketing aspect and getting actually like physically onto a shelf in a store that does fall back onto me. So that um, that's been what I'm kind of navigating right now is to um, get the book. I want I want to be able to walk into the Target by me and say, oh, there's my book. Like it's right here on the shelf or walk into the Barnes and Noble closest to me and be able to see it. So, um, so that's kind of what I'm going through in a couple of weeks. I'm actually going to the local, um, Barnes and Noble. And the last time I was there, they had a, a whole section that said local authors. So I'm like, that's really cool because I mean, maybe I can't get into every single Barnes and Noble store across the nation, but the one that's, you know, right by me, maybe I can, walk into there and at least see my book, you know, which is a start. So, um, yeah, it's basically just like, um, kind of talking with people who are in charge. I've worked like within target for almost 15 years. So I'm hoping that, you know, kind of like with the Barnes and Noble thing, maybe I could get into some targets around here. Maybe I won't be in, you know, the targets in California, but like, I'll take what I can get. You know, I think it's, it's pretty cool to say, to walk in and see it there. So that's what I'm kind of doing now. I'm kind I want, I would like to set up like events. I've had so many people say, will you sign my copy when it comes in? And I'm like, sure. Like, you know, I, I guess so. Like if you really want me to though, though I think about it, I'm like, I would be asking them to like, if I knew yeah. somebody, I'd, I'd say the same thing. I'm like, I get it. I would be asking you too. So so that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> but you're so humble with it all that you can't see why somebody would want your signature on your book. Yeah, n- not yet. But I mean, everybody has to start somewhere, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you know what, uh, Catherine, my wish for you is that you would dream bigger because you should absolutely be in that target in California. There's no reason you shouldn't yeah. be. Um, yeah, I, I fully I fully foresee that for you. Um, Thank you. Tell me what you feel like you're thinking about for the future as far as any other projects that you might have on the horizon or are we focusing on this one? Um, So there was a reason why it's not just called Charlotte the Shark. Um, This one is Charlotte the Shark won't go to sleep. So when I imagined it I did imagine it being a series so maybe like Charlotte the shark goes to the dentist I mean how cute would it be to see a shark going to the dentist and you know they're scared and maybe the dentist is this tiny little starfish you know or something and this little shark is just so scared to go to the dentist um 
But mainly it's uh, my children's series, at least, I see it dealing with um, common problems. I mean, getting your child to sleep is a common problem. Kids being scared of the dentist is a common problem. Um, not picking up their toys, a new baby. I mean, you know, Charlotte, Charlotte herself, my daughter has gone through all of that. So why not, you know, have Charlotte the shark experience the same things and help other kids to do it as well. Yeah, that's exciting. I can't wait for that. And I fully expect um, there should be some type of Alice series at some point. That, you know, that's what I've heard too. I'm like, oh gosh, I, I, I said, Charlotte has told me that my mother-in-law said that and my, both my sisters-in-law and I'm like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta start thinking of that too, I guess. I'm like, Alice is going to tell you as soon as she realizes and she's old. Yeah, I know. I know. She, she keeps walking around with the book. She says, I love our book. That's what they both say. But Alice yeah. has gotten, she heard us say it. So she's like, I love our book. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's about your sister, but maybe you'll get your own someday too. <laughs> Goals, right? Yeah. It's all part of the plan. Um, Catherine, I've just loved this conversation. You know, I love talking about books and, um, you know, yours specifically just is so heartwarming and I just can't wait to receive it and I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait for it to land on my doorstop next week. Yeah, um, it comes out and it, it's supposed to be released next week. It might even, if you ordered through Barnes and Noble, I guess it's going to be a little sooner, but that's a nice surprise. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you want to leave our listeners um, thinking about or, or any thoughts that you want to leave with us today before we close? I think um, back to the Dr. Seuss thing that just you should keep trying. Um, if you don't achieve your goals in one way, like I, maybe I didn't get, you know, published traditionally at first, um, but there's more than one way to navigate your goals. So just keep trying. I love that so much. And I have to know, you have to tell me what you're reading right now. Oh, yes, I would love to because it was a book recommended by one of my best friends. It's The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. So the title's kind of a mouthful, but if you go look up the synopsis, it sounds amazing. I can't wait to read it. Oh, awesome. I'll have to check that out and put that on my yeah. ever-growing list of things I'm yeah, yeah, planning please. to read. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us where we can find you and how um, we can keep up to date with Charlotte the Shark and where we can purchase your book. Yeah. Um, so my Facebook page is just Catherine Tally. Um, my Instagram page is tallycat02. So if you search that, I should pop up um, the correct version of that. Um, I actually have a cousin who's a graphic designer. I said, you're going to have to help me design my own, you know, webpage back to me, not being able to draw stick people. <laughs> I can't, uh, I'm not the best, uh, you know, at the technology thing either, but, um, so hopefully in the future, maybe I could have my website up and running, but, um, as for buying it, I, it's very cool, I got to say, to be able to put the title in on Amazon and have it pop right up. Um, that's been cool. I mean, no matter how anyone feels about Amazon, it's, uh, it's, it's really cool to, you know, see my title on there. Um, Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and uh, even like the Books A Million 
um, it's on there. It's it's something like you know thousands of different retailers. So um, I've been having a little bit of fun playing around, going to different book websites and putting it in, and it'll randomly pop up sometimes. So I'm like, oh, it's sold here too. So so those are probably the most common um, retailers, but, but yeah, it's, it's in a lot of different places. So hopefully that puts it in a lot of people's hands. I'm sure it will. And, um, again, I'm just so excited for you. I'm so excited for this accomplishment and just to see what's forthcoming. And thank you again for spending some time with me here today. Thank you. I'm honored. And thank you for all your support.